You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode eight of our show where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, and more. We're recording on Thursday, March 19th, 2015. Today we'll be discussing our exclusive report about Project Titan and Apple's proposed electric car project. We take a first look at Apple's Force Touch trackpad, Apple to launch an online TV service this fall, Nintendo is bringing games to mobile devices, and Facebook wants you to send money with their Messenger app. We have with us this week Apple Insider Managing Editor Neil Hughes. Thanks for being with us today, Neil. Hey, happy to be here. Senior Editor Mikey Campbell. Thanks for being here, Mikey. Thank you, as always, sir. And again, we have contributing editor Victor Marks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. And I'm Stephen Robles. And we're going to kick it off today with an exclusive report uh, broken by two of the gentlemen here, Neil and Mikey. And uh, this is a Project Titan, the Apple Car Report. And since you guys kind of covered it, Mikey, I will throw it to you to give us the rundown. All right. Well, um, basically, we don't we don't know for sure if it's it's Project Titan, uh, just get that out of the way first, but we did find some compelling evidence of um, what we believe to be um, a pretty shadowy automotive uh, R&D facility in Sunnyvale, California. Um, we know uh, that Apple does lease buildings in a certain campus down in Sunnyvale, and there are buildings next to it with Things like um, an automotive repair garage um, and other facilities that would logically um, point to some sort of research going on in in the car department. Um, since Apple hasn't, you know, they haven't really said anything about this, um, it it's kind of on the down low, and we just had to cobble together a bunch of different pieces, um, some, some information from sources. And this is, a uh, pretty much what we, uh, came, came away with, with all that. Um, now their name is on some of the, I guess, leases it would be, right? Yeah. There's uh, actually a, a, a complex there that has a bunch of buildings that, uh, Apple is known to be leasing and they're on the books. And then we looked into some of the other facilities there, which were, are being leased by other companies that are not Apple. Um, some of them check out, but then there was one in particular that we found that didn't actually check out. We couldn't find their name on the books anywhere in terms of leases or improvements to the property. And we found that on that property in particular, an unnamed tenant had uh, had a garage uh, installed, a repair garage, which would obviously imply something be done there with vehicles. When we went and checked out the place uh, in person, we found that it was uh, the front door said that it was for a business called 68 Research LLC. Uh, we looked up 68 Research and found a very suspicious blank-ish uh, website that was kind of just didn't really say much about the company or what they did. Uh, we searched around online and couldn't really find any mention of them uh, doing anything. And so uh, whether 68 Research is affiliated with Apple or not, we can't really say. But I will say that the story's been out for a week now, and a lot of people have read it, and nobody's come forward saying, hi, I'm the CEO of 68 Research. So uh, something is definitely going on there. What it is, we can't really say, but uh, there, where there's smoke, there's fire. And uh, remember that, that thing, Neil, of the uh, what was pasted on that window. Yeah, the, the front of uh, 68 Research uh, said that they had moved their front office to another building on the campus, and that building we know is leased by Apple. So there's some sort of connection between 68 Research and Apple. Uh, the running theory that a lot of people who follow Apple, are ours included, is is that it's likely uh, some sort of a shell corporation uh, that would allow Apple to mask what they're doing there. They've done this many times before. Um, we had another report kind of detailing that, a history of how they've used companies like um, IP application development, which the acronym spells out iPad, and that was how they registered the <laughs> iPad name without anybody knowing. Nice. So when you're a secretive company, you have methods that you do to hide things, and so 68 Research Research uh, could be something like that. We did find that they had uh, imported a Fiat uh, 600 uh, last year, which is uh, one of Johnny Ives' favorite types of cars. Whether that's coincidence, uh, hilarious coincidence, or something else, who knows? But hmm. there's a lot of uh, uh, little breadcrumbs out there that we've just been picking up as we follow this story, and it just continues to unfold. So it's very interesting. 
Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, 68research.com right now, and it's uh, <laughs> suspiciously nothing really there, just kind of some filler text and looping. Yeah, for a market-leading research firm, it's a little yeah. strange that they have basically no online presence. They're redefining the market research landscape. Now. <laughs> right. yeah, they're redefining it by going dark. They're just not talking to anybody. So, and if you search, yeah, our attempts to contact them uh, ended up with nothing, and uh, no surprise that Apple didn't want to touch a story with a ten-foot pole when we asked them. So, right. uh, w- exactly what's going on, we may never know, uh, but there's certainly something strange going on there. Yeah, and if you use the search box on that page, there's nothing ever found. <laughs> so. Right, yeah. And and all this ties in, and the reason that we went down this route in the first place is we have sources that spoke to us that we were a little skeptical of at first, but uh, all their information is checked out thus far, and they told us to look into that. So these people claim uh, that uh, that is where the Apple car project, the mythical project, is going on. Uh, now, is that actually the case? I mean, it's not like you know we went there and saw you know something going on there that would lead us to believe it, but... Uh, there's a lot of little things uh, here and there that make you suspicious. That's for sure. You think it was something that may have, uh, they may have been doing something there previously, like in the past and they've stopped or is it maybe they'll use Well, the improvements are ongoing. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it it could be something that they're setting up for future use or something that they're, you know, currently, um, currently doing as that little note on 68 research said they've moved. So obviously there's the gears are in motion. Right. Yeah, there's you know a repair garage going in there. There's improvements going on in another building, um, and whoever is doing the improvements there is trying to hide their name from the paperwork that's being filed because the tenant is not listed in the permits that have been handed out. So, uh, you know, all these little pieces just kind of add up. And maybe you know, maybe it's not an Apple car. Maybe it's actually the uh, the van thing that's been going on. Uh, where uh, they've been the mapping vans or something, you know, no, nobody really knows. Maybe the mapping vans are somehow related to an Apple Car project. You can't really say, but I guess that's part of the fun with Apple, right? Right. Yeah. It's the uh, trying to put the little clues together and figure out what's going on, and they keep everybody guessing, and that's what makes it exciting. Now, there's. Well, I, oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I mean, I, I've always thought that you know, since the rumors started out, I think I mentioned this last time I was on, um, that I think the so-called Project Titan and the uh, mapping vans are either one in the same or very closely related. I'm kind of skeptical on Apple building a car wholesale. Um, right. And it seems more reasonable that they would be um, you know, doing something with mapping or whatever it is they're, they're doing with those vans. Yeah. And, and Apple may not even know, right? Uh, you know, they would be crazy not to have some sort mm-hmm. of far-fetched skunk works project going on in their deep labs just because you never know where technology is going to head and you know five years from now it may be a viable project for them uh and maybe they're just dabbling in it just to see what's going on you know there's a lot of rumors about apple and virtual reality and stuff like that too do i think that apple is going to make a virtual reality headset probably not but have they experimented with it and probably made some pretty cool stuff uh yeah i I would imagine they'd be crazy not to right Right, and there were stories you know that when the iPhone was in development, they originally were working on something with a larger screen, almost closer to an iPad size. Even though the iPad came years later, that was kind of something that was in the research and development area that they were, that they well, were working on. Well, iPhone was born from a tablet project. So, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. As far as the virtual reality and the uh, Munster's recent report about um, augmented reality, which is, you know, kind of a... Uh, <laughs> It's pretty obvious that they that they're Gene Munster is very excitable, very excitable. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're obviously they're he's their tech company, so they're going to have their their arms in pretty much everything. Especially considering they're the world's largest tech company, they're obviously yeah, it's not like they're pressed for cash. And, yeah. yeah, they they can they have a, a lot of headroom to uh, to move around, yeah. and so I mean, augmented reality. It's you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a sexy sexy thing right right now especially with you know oculus with um uh as virtual reality um but you know I, I think definitely there is some research going on yeah well yeah great. there's too much there's too much going on there to to write it off you have to you have to feel pretty confident in saying that they're doing something um we may never find out what it is if they decide it's not worth coming to market but yeah right. I, I would say something's going on there right 
Well, it was a great report. I encourage everyone, if you have not read it already, go to appleinsider.com and check it out. We'll put a link in show notes to it, of course, as well. And uh, so thanks to Neil and Mikey for that. And also, Neil, since you're on, I wanted to talk. Mm -hmm. There's been um, lots of talk about Apple's new MacBook and also the Force Touch trackpad that they introduced with the new 12-inch Retina MacBook, but they're also deploying to parts of their MacBook line. And a lot of people are saying it's just... The fact that it doesn't uh, click, it doesn't actually physically click down, yet the haptic feedback is so good, it kind of, uh, it makes you, tricks your mind into thinking that. So you've actually gotten a chance to play around with it and kind of wanted to know your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know, I was pretty skeptical about it. Uh, we had been hearing for a long time now, uh, going back to last year, about this new MacBook that was coming with a Retina display. You know, it was called the MacBook Air at the time, and now it's just called the MacBook. But one of the key things that was just to be, uh, it was so thin that it had a clickless trackpad design. And, you know, I, I like my my tactile feedback on clicking. Um, it just, it, it's just something that feels natural to me. And I still, when I use my trackpad, I scroll with one finger up above and then I still have my thumb permanently resting on the bottom half of the trackpad, even though there's no longer a button there in the bottom half of it clicks. That's just something that I like. So I was very skeptical, uh, you know, uh, when I heard when they made the announcement about this new trackpad to fit into the MacBook, but obviously we get kind of a sneak peek at it. With Pro, which they've uh, kind of put in there uh, just to give a teaser, I guess, of what's going to come out uh, uh, next month and also give people an opportunity to try out some of the new functions and stuff. And I got to say, I was I was really impressed. I was pretty blown away. I don't know about the um, the pressure sensitive, uh, you know, the harder press for an extra click kind of stuff that, that may be a little gimmicky. We'll have to see how developers tap into it and what they do. But just in terms of making it feel like a clicking trackpad, like it almost blew my mind. I was pressing down on it. And it was like, wait, you're telling me this isn't clicking? Right. And so I found myself doing a thing where I, had, there was a, I was at a, a store and there was a MacBook Air next to it. And I was pressing in like the corners of the trackpad just to feel how much it was depressing. And it presses a little bit, but it does not press nearly as much. And because of the haptic feedback on it and the way that it works, it actually – uh, it, it feels like you can press it anywhere. It's like one big button. So the old trackpad design, you have to press at the bottom and only the bottom half clicks. Yeah. This thing clicks anywhere that you press on it, and it feels so, great. So what was the? I'm, I'm curious. Was the um, was the sound on with that? that uh, it was in a store, so I didn't. Oh. It, it wasn't. I didn't notice any audible sound. From oh. it. I've heard that there oh. is a little speaker sound. Uh, that yeah. comes with it that that adds to it, but yeah, I'd, I'd be uh, interested about. I mean, uh, just the uh, psychological effect of that, how right. that plays into I, it. I was amazed, you know, just from putting my fingers on it and pressing. It literally felt like a regular trackpad clicking, and I did not think they'd be able to do that. So now, did you try uh, to adjust the amount of feedback, and were you able to like kind of feel a difference? Yeah, so if you press down, um, it's a single click, but then if you keep pressing and you go harder, then it gives you a different kind of vibration for a deeper click. And so uh, there's all kinds of functions that are going to be enabled through this. They've already got iMovie updated to do some uh, uh, feedback and, you know, like for uh, stylus input, you can press harder to, ha you know, make the to make it go thicker as you write and stuff like that. So, yeah. I, you know, that stuff, I don't know um, how useful it's going to be. It may end up being kind of gimmicky. We'll see. But uh, just in terms of the achievement of making it feel like a trackpad uh, without clicking, is going to lead to obviously thinner designs as we're going to see with the new MacBook and future MacBook Pros and all that. And it kind of sets the stage for them to go thinner in the future. And it's, it's incredible. It's a, it's a great achievement. Right. And now, so it'll be on the watch, it'll be on the MacBook. And then a lot of people are saying it will probably be on the next iPhone with the success or whatever comes out next. And that's what our sources have told us. Yeah. That we're going to see uh, that haptic uh, feedback force touch uh, type feature in the uh, iPhone success, quote unquote. Right. And, and some have said, you know, it might actually make typing a totally different experience. But now I do remember there were some Android phones years ago that you can kind of turn on vibration and they called it haptic feedback, where when you tap, type on your phone, you feel vibrations every time you press a key. So I'm curious, is it the same kind of sensation or, or is it a little different? I mean, I guess we'll have to see how they implement it. Uh, you know, yeah. on a phone, I don't really know. Um, on a trackpad, obviously, it's just designed to make it feel like you're clicking. So, right. Does it feel uh, like I a mean, vibration, it, though, or is it? I mean, it just feels like a click on the trackpad. It didn't yeah. feel like a vibration. No. An, an interesting thing is um, Immersion, the the company that's behind all the Android stuff. 
Um, they've been trying to get into Apple's good graces since, I don't know, like 2008 or something. I don't know if you guys remember those rumors that they were meeting together. Um, yeah. It's a haptic feedback company. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the, it, if you want to see what um, where that that sector is going, you should check out Immersion's like website. They have some pretty uh, cool um, explanatory articles about what what haptic does and you know how it how it does it. Hmm. But um, I, I've played with the Android models that had haptic feedback, and you know, it was it was kind of cool. But I think it just relies a lot on the developers and how they implement the the software. I, I think you know there's got to be those um, key APIs there. And with with Apple, you know, obviously they develop this in house. So um, and since their software and hardware departments are so tight now, it's just you know spot on. But yeah, like like Neil was saying, I don't know how far that's going to go beyond into the into the independent developer camp or, right. um, you know, how they're going to implement stuff like that. But um, so it I, could be the same thing. I'm wondering, like, if you if you press really hard on your iPhone or iPad screen, it's, it's still an LCD under there, and you can actually kind of make the pixels wobble. Yeah, you, you can see it deflect as you're pressing on it, yeah. Right, so yeah. I'm curious, I mean, don't, all this... Don't do that. <laughs> right, yeah, don't do that. So I'm curious, like, are these well, force-touch gestures, are they hard enough to... To cause that too? Well, um, there was uh, some rumors. Um, I forget who it was. They, they said the... No, I think it was uh, Ming-Chi Kuo. Was it, Neil? That said um, the next iPhones might be implementing uh, new screen technology that was flexible. And he was kind of hinting at OLED. Hmm. Yeah, there, there's been rumors that maybe they'll go to OLED. Um, I think that might be maybe too big of a change for the next model. Usually they don't go through that drastic of a change. But, I mean, you got to think inevitably that Apple Watch technology is going to keep coming to the iPhone. I mean, that's what Apple does, right? They introduce something in one product and then bring it to the others. So whether it's, you know, this year or next year, I would think that that's inevitability. How they're going to do, you know, this haptic feedback on the iPhone, I I don't really know, this force touch. It may just be, you know, velocity of how you hit, not how, how... hard you're pressing down on it um i'm I'm also having uh, nightmare flashbacks of uh what was it the blackberry storm that phone that came out probably Uh, six years ago with the clickable screen or whatever oh my goodness that was also 2009 yeah was it well yeah the um that was verizon's answer to the iphones that that go into the um the taptic technology and i guess well apple kind of solved it by using um a flexible OLED panel, so it, it kind of negates that um, it, it spreads out that extra pressure, so it doesn't really deflect the um, the LCD or the OLED uh, pixels. So, I mean, if you yeah, if you translate that to an iPhone, um, it would probably yield the same effects, even though it's such a you know it's a larger surface area, but it should be pretty good. I don't know. I'm looking at my iPhone six right now and I don't, I don't really see much, much room to, uh, to add in extras. <laughs> right. And, and you've got a battery, you've got a motherboard. Yeah. You've got, <laughs> yeah. And, and Apple, you know, prides itself on kind of making it seem like the pixels are closer and closer to the surface. So you're actually almost seems like you're tapping on the pixels, like that there's no glass in between you and the screen. Yeah. So Originally, those units were separate. The glass was separate from the uh, touch digitizer, was separate from the LCD. Right. And and over time, they integrated them into one unit so that the the pixels are closer to the glass surface. Right. So So not sure how that would work. Yeah, so basically it's, you know, the the in-cell touch panel, so the touch sensors are integrated with the, the LCD. And then mm-hmm. they slap a layer of glass over it, but um, it'd be interesting to see what what kind of glass they're going to use in um, a taptic version of it. To you know, I, I can imagine people first getting it and cracking their screens because they're pressing down so hard on on the uh, on the glass. Tapgate right 2015. You, <laughs> well, you, you know they have the test fixtures for those, right? They showed them to us with the twisting. Yes, that didn't work though the first time, did it? <laughs> you know, I wonder. You know, the the rumors before the six came out was that it would be made of sapphire. The screen, oh jeez, 
God. It's on the watch. It's on the watch. Man, he starts. Yeah, but I don't know. They're not going to... With with GT shut down, I don't think that's going to happen. That's true. I I don't know how many years it's going to take, but... Yeah, it's a cost issue too. I mean, you look at how much it costs to to make the Sapphire, right? And the fact that the Sapphire is not on the cheapest Apple Watch model tells you a lot, right there. Yeah. And you know, the problem with Sapphire Two is if you take your phone out of the box and it looks exactly the same as a Gorilla Glass phone, the only way you're going to know if it's different is if you drop it on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not exactly a big selling point feature. So, I, I could see a potential for a if they decided to take this luxury route that they're doing with the watch and put right. Sapphire on an iPhone that like is a premium iPhone that would look different from the other iPhones, but I don't think they're yeah. just going to like, there was a rumor that just the 128 gig, uh, models were going to have Sapphire, but they're going to look the same as the other phones. I, yeah, I just don't I see them doing that. It doesn't make any sense. Solid gold iPhone, iPhone six right. edition. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I mean, why not? It's a possibility, right? I, I, I think that it could go down that road. An iPhone but, Sport uh, is just a Samsung Galaxy S5. <laughs> no. no. Give me a 3.5-inch iPhone Sport. I'll buy it on a heartbeat. <laughs> Zero dollars. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it comes out, and we'll see when once the new MacBook comes out, too. Uh, we'll definitely do some testing there. So it was this week uh, reported that Apple is to launch an online TV service this fall, incorporating live channels such as CBS, Disney, Fox, and maybe possibly costing $40 a month to allow you to stream these channels live to your Apple TV and access the content. So as a cable cutter, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm not, I don't know which ones of, of you are also cable cutters. Cable um, cutting since 2008, yo. There you go. <laughs> OG. <laughs> yeah, so I would love to see this. I mean, my I, question I have a question, is, though. Yeah, go ahead. So my question is, when once you start buying in all of these separate a la carte services, your bill begins to rapidly exceed the cost that you were spending on cable, doesn't it? Well, they were saying it would be $40 a month for a package. Like Sling TV now is uh, $20-something dollars for... Right, so you buy in Sling, you buy in HBO now, you buy in this proposed $40 a month thing. You're, you're, it piles up quick, right? You add on Hulu, you add on Netflix. Well, I guess supposedly, depending on NBC, which will be the challenge channel to this <laughs> online service, uh, you know, hopefully you would be able to drop Hulu. And because, you know, CBS has its all-access service right now, which is $5 a month. So I don't assume if CBS is part of Apple's package, you wouldn't pay it separately, the $5 CBS as well. But Does my, CBS include uh, football? No, I don't believe so. Of course not. <laughs> and it's their money-making thing. The other, the other thing, too, is, again, with my internet service provider here in Florida, CBS All Access is blocked. From so even even when I pay for it, they I cannot. They have lovely stream. clown shoes, don't they? It's it's amazing. So anyway, so I can't get that. So this service will it be dependent again on which cable provider you have, or will this be totally separate? Like I can buy it through my iTunes account right on my Apple TV and just be able to stream it from there. So that remains to be seen, and I hope they can work around the cable provider issues. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if Apple's going to do it, then it's going to have to be agnostic in terms of the cable providers, right? Just because uh, that's a whole can of worms that I don't know what they want to get into. But uh, if they're going to make something, it's going to have to be universally available, at least in the United States, where anybody can pay and get it from any internet service provider. I think that uh, you know, the recent net neutrality decision kind of opened the floodgates for this, and that might be why you're seeing these talks about Apple coming out now. And just this week, the PlayStation View launched, right. um, and then obviously you have Sling TV. But even that PlayStation View, that is a, a pretty good lineup of channels, uh, 50 some odd channels, but yep. it's for 50 bucks, and it doesn't include ESPN, right. and it doesn't include ABC. And so you look at how much it's going to like if you're paying, uh, you know, base rate of twenty five bucks or thirty bucks for your internet from your internet service provider, they'll tack on basic cable for you know twenty twenty five bucks without a DVR. You add another ten bucks on that for a DVR, it's still cheaper to get it through your cable provider. So I don't know. I mean, who's going to want to sign up for PlayStation View when you don't get the channels that everybody wants and you're paying fifty dollars a month? And then if you want to go beyond that, it's sixty and seventy dollar tiers. I think the the most competitive right. one out there right now is Sling TV. Sling right. TV's twenty bucks. It's got uh, a lot of the biggest cable channels. It's got and ESPN. It's got ESPN. Yeah, and I mean things like live football is still going to be a problem. Like, will NBC and CBS, if they're a part of this Apple package, will they offer 
live football, or will that be something extra? Not if Roger or? Goodell has his way, they won't. No, right. he wants you're, to. You're going to keep looking for pirate websites that will stream it for you, and you'll go that path. Yeah, and but, I have like uh, you know, for example, I I'm a hockey fan, and so I, I pay for NHL Game Center, and NHL Game Center and, and all these other uh, leagues are legendary for having horrible blackout restrictions. Yeah. So if a game is on the NHL network, which broadcasts around the U.S., and as I don't, you don't have uh, NHL network, then it gets blacked out for you, even though you're paying two hundred dollars a year for NHL Game Center. Right. It's actually so bad that I discovered the other day that there's a group of like pirates that got together with an invite only service called Rage Center, and they <laughs> you have to get an invite in to watch games on there because they like bootleg them because they pay for game center and they can't get games because they're blacked out. Right. And you know, it's just all these sports leagues just screw everything up for all that. Right. And the NFL is obviously the worst at that. Yeah. And it's the same thing, MLB TV, NBA TV, which have channels already on the Apple TV. And each of those cost 20 to $25 a month, black out your local sports teams. And there are ways that you can mess with your IP settings to make it look like you're coming from a different location to get those games. But Again, for the normal user, that's not something that's viable. It just needs to be able to <laughs> work. It's, a, it's, it's certainly not an expected behavior. <laughs> right. So we'll see what happens there, maybe coming this fall. Another big story this week, Nintendo has said it will bring games to mobile. They partnered with DNA uh, to develop these mobile games. The press release did say that it should be including its iconic game characters... Again, hopefully like Mario and Zelda being two of the biggest and bringing games to iPad and iPhone. So this has been something that people have wanted for a very long time. They're definitely another, uh, another great opportunity for Nintendo to uh, bastardize the uh, bastions of gaming. I think, I think we need to be <laughs> yeah. very careful. It's, they're going to bring the iconic characters right. to mobile. They're right. bringing the iconic games to right, mobile. Right, right. So, so well, you'll I mean, see the characters on the screen, but these will not be the same games. Well, yeah, I mean, they made a distinction that they're going to build these games from the ground up, but hopefully with Nintendo involved, the um, there will be that sense of innovation. Right. Um, although, you know, they've been kind of lacking in that department recently. Right. But, and then, um, just, but hopefully, I mean, D- DNA is a, is a good brand. They're, they're both solid brands, and um, hopefully they can skip, bring some original games to mobile because right. right now it's um i don't know it's and, languishing. and they would have to b- develop new games because something like super mario brother 64 on an ipad with the controls and buttons you know you have to it just might not it's not going to translate well so you know obviously they do have to develop something new hopefully they do it intuitively enough where touch controls on an ipad or iphone will be usable um but it's you know promising I'm just skeptical. I'm skeptical. They're going to protect their crown jewels. They're going to keep their crown jewels on their platform and somehow find a way to screw this up. Super Mario (laughs) Force Touch. I am a. Uh, I will admit, I am a Nintendo fanboy. I have the new 3DS. I have a Wii U. Um, I play them. I enjoy them. Sorry. Nintendo, so sorry. I think Nintendo <laughs> makes the best games out there. I know, Mikey, you said that they're not really innovating, but I think that they are in many ways. Uh, that said, when you are a Nintendo fanboy, it is a love-hate relationship uh, through and through, yeah. because they make some of the best games that are out there, and they yeah. are one of the stupidest companies on the planet <laughs> in terms and, of the yeah. decisions they make. And I'll identify. It's I mean, infuriating. I've, I've always been a big Nintendo fan. I played Ocarina of Time maybe three to four times through. Um, but the last Nintendo system I bought was the first Wii. I never bought any games for it. I played Wii Sports for a couple weeks. I bought Super Mario Brothers 3, the Nintendo version, through the store, and I actually played that all the way through on the Wii just for nostalgia purposes. But, I mean, I have no desire to buy a whole system to play those any of the new games or use the characters. But if a nine ninety nine iPad game came with... Mario or Zelda, and it actually looked decent. I mean, I would, I would definitely, I would buy it. I would buy it. You, you yeah, guys do what you want. Cool. I'm going to be over in the corner with my uh, with my Nintendo Zapper gun playing Duck Hunt. <laughs> Mario, Mario Paper. Well, and I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. What just happened there? I think that was a, a real life Mario Paper that just happened. <laughs> but I do think you know the one thing. Obviously, their sales have been declining. They've not been as profitable anywhere near as profitable in the past. But the one thing they can still play on is nostalgia. So again, even if it's not the same games, at least if they put the character again, someone like Neil or myself who 
Remember the fond days of regular Nintendo Super Nintendo Remember them, I'm still living them, man. I'm right here. I'm in the now. Well, yeah, but but yeah, but again, like the most the age group that has iPads and iPhones, right? I think they can still recall that nostalgia, and now would be the time Nintendo can really take advantage of that. If they wait too much longer, it's not going to happen. So I think I think uh, I think Victor is right, and I, I think that they're what they're going to do is what he said. They're not going to bring over you know games. They're just going to introduce characters. But to use the Steve Jobs analogy, it's kind of like a glass of ice water in hell on iOS games. As I enjoy mm-hmm. iOS games, uh, I've played a number of them that are pretty great, but they have to be specifically developed for the platform in a way that takes advantage of the platform. Right. Obviously, you now have iOS game controller support, which is a little bit better. But Apple's advertising of which games have the support and standardization is awful so uh you have a lot of games and a lot of options on there um it would be nice to see a little more premium quality come to the games on ios if nintendo makes the leap a little less um free to play microtransaction out the wazoo kind of stuff right I wouldn't mind paying, you know, I, I gladly pay $40 for a 3DS game, $60 for a Wii U or Xbox One game or whatever, because there's quality there and because there's something to be said for it. And now, I understand why a lot of people don't want to spend that much, because if I buy a $60 game for my Wii U, I can get $61 games for my uh, uh, for, for my iPhone or a bunch of free ones with free-to-play stuff. So right. I definitely understand the appeal of the lower price stuff, but it would be nice to see maybe Nintendo come in with like some $15 price points on some really addictive games created specifically for the platform that keep the characters relevant and maybe uh, get people to be interested in buying into Nintendo hardware and platforms because they do do still make some pretty great stuff. What I want to see with um, Nintendo is I want them to bring some of their storytelling to iOS because that is a area where iOS games are just so lacking, mostly because they have to be, you know, bite-sized, but... Um, right. And, uh, you know, iTunes actually has the whole pay once, play forever section that Apple introduced a couple months ago, specifically right. for that reason. So it's, you don't get a bunch of these free games, and so you can filter that out. But like you were saying, Mikey, the storytelling, you know, I've, I've tried playing some kind of action-adventure games or some of the war games on iOS, and none of them, at least for me, stick. The games that uh, I'll I need play, to recommend some games to you. Well, you can recommend some games, but to me, the games that actually appeal to me, like uh, Alto's Adventure, it's that, you know, oh, yeah. scrolling runner. Game. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're super addicting, and, like, I can play with, like, one hand, and it's just, it, I don't know, it, you know, it's just a time killer, I, you know, I can just play if I'm waiting to get my hair cut or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, th- those games are cool, gaming, like, yeah. for, yeah, casual gaming are, is great for, like, you know, uh, commuting and stuff, but, right. you know, when you get home, I, you know, some people want to sit on the couch and dive a little deeper. So, I mean, right. Nintendo has a has a really rich background in storytelling and um, narrating and through games. The so gameplay is the gameplay is uh, it's unmatched, even on yeah. the modern Mario yeah. games and stuff. You know, just the right. level design and the creativity yeah. and the pick up and playability and all that kind of stuff. It, there are some great games on iOS, and there's a lot of junk. But the level of consistency that Nintendo provides, you know, there, there's a reason right. why Nintendo consoles always have poor third-party support because everybody just buys Nintendo consoles and just buys Nintendo games, and that's it. Right. You know, I'm looking right now at my collection of Wii U games in front of me, and they're all published and developed by Nintendo, all of them. Right. That's all I buy. I would, <laughs> that's be, the only reason I have the system. So. I'd be really curious too. Um, like I was doing this with Altos Adventure the other day. I was on my iPhone, sitting in front of me, my TV, and I was like, "What the heck am I doing? Let me try to AirPlay this." And I actually mirrored it to my Apple TV and so I was, you know, because it just takes one tap for those side-scrolling type get casual games and I was looking at it on my, you know, 50-inch TV and it, the the playback was actually really smooth and again... For a time uh, until it starts to lag out over time. Right, yeah. now it's, that is something... It's not there right now. Right. There were that, games that were developed with that in, in mind. Right. Real Racing HD 2, for example, you, right. you turned on mirroring and your friend who was next to you turned on mirroring and you had split screen on the TV and you just yeah, used the right. iPad as the controller. Right, yeah. so I'm not going to talk about hardware updates with Apple TV, but if if mirroring could be something that is actually seamless and does not lag, I mean, I would, I would love well, to see it, the kind of innovation. Used to. Here, here's what I would like it to used see. used to work. I have, a, <laughs> yeah. I have a PlayStation 4 and I have a Vita, right? And I have some games, like I just picked up uh, Hotline Miami 2 for both systems because it's cross-buy. So I can play it on my TV, and then if I'm on the train or whatever, I can play it on my Vita, and then they'll sync the game saves. But it doesn't work 
right? I have to go in and manually tell it to sync the game saves, and sometimes it doesn't oh. work, and I had to turn it off and turn it Gosh. on. And yeah, I mean, so. it's like I'm, I'm, I'm like seventy five percent there, and it's just we just need that little bit of push. And Apple already has the groundwork laid for it. They've got right. iCloud, they've got buy one, install on multiple devices. Right, uh, they've center. got it all there. They've got Game yeah. Center. So imagine uh, whether it's a new Apple TV hardware or on the existing Apple TV, you can play your games however you want. You can play them on a touchscreen and, and stumble around on your phone and have it play like junk. You can sit at home with your TV and have an actual controller and have it play great. And wherever you are, you have all your games, and you can go over to a friend's house and play your games on their TV. And it all just kind of syncs in the cloud and everything works. All your game saves are accessible, and all your progress is synced across devices. So whether you're on your iPad, you're on your iPhone, you're on your Mac, you're on your Apple TV, it's all connected. That would be the greatest game experience that they could have, but you know we'll see if they do it. Kind of on topic, but I just want to throw it out there in case any uh, developers are listening. I want to sit in front of my TV and play a mech game, uh, such as Mech Warrior, with my with my MacBook Pro, iPad Air Mini, and um, <laughs> iPhone plus Apple Watch. So you know, make it happen. Steel Battalion style. <laughs> I will exactly, say exactly. Uh, I've I had knew a guy who had the Steel Battalion controller for the original Xbox. That thing was oh, that thing was buttons oh. everywhere. It was so Sick. much fun. And then I was so excited, and I was so stupid to be excited for the remake that they did on um, Xbox Connect, where mm-hmm. there were no physical buttons, and you were like reaching out and grabbing at things that weren't in the room. Oh, and it was a oh, nightmare. No. It was yeah. so bad. It was just like I wanted it to be so great. I was so excited, and it was so terrible. That's what Microsoft uh, Holo- Hololens is for, right? Must, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that that looks pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and actually, if it, it was done well, that'd be awesome. I will say, uh, iPad Air Mini, not an Apple product. Just throwing that out there, Mikey. No, I said <laughs> iPad Air. And, oh, oh, and I have many, I have many devices. Oh, I, I have see. many devices. M A N Y. Many. Uh, you need a custom overlay for your keyboard, so all the f- functions have different. Oh yeah, I'm down. That. Mike, you're gonna have like an arm full of Apple Watch editions just going right down. <laughs> Two arms. I mean, you know, I'm power glove. Apple yeah. Watch power Definitely. glove. Definitely. I would play that. I would play that. It'd be great to watch me uh, play it as well. Struggle <laughs> through it, stumble your way through. <laughs> as the light gleams off the 18 karat gold and blinds everyone in the room. <laughs> as I get seared by all the uh, radioactive uh, <laughs> radioactiveness just, from my Apple Watch, according just to force, uh, force touching oh, everywhere. Built-in. Uh, this is scary. <laughs> well, so that's video games. <laughs> the last story I did want to mention: uh, Facebook Messenger. The Messenger app will gain app-based person-to-person money transfers. So what you can, could go wrong? <laughs> so you can send, what, what could and, possibly go wrong? Send and receive money. Now, obviously, plenty of apps do this already. Uh, I use Square Cash personally, and I think it, that works great for me. You are the only one. Uh, well, the people Thanks I send it to, but there's two of us. There's two of us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I use, uh, yeah. no, no transfer with fees the other, with the one other person I know who um, who uses it. But right. But of all the services, I mean, I remember when Facebook Messenger came out, well, not when it came out, excuse me, when Facebook took the Messenger component out of the main app and forced people to download the Messenger or use the Messenger And there was much gnashing of teeth, yes. There was, and so many articles came out talking about the Facebook Messenger app can take pictures when you're not looking and use your phone to listen to every conversation you (laughs) have. cry went out across the land. And I I personally, actually, I wrote something just on my personal side, like, stop freaking out about Facebook Messenger, because there's just so much poor reporting about what it could do. And again, I couldn't speak so much for the Android side, because who knows what happens on Android phones. But on iOS, you know, you can actually restrict access, say don't have access to the microphone, access to GPS, all that. Um, So it wasn't that big of a deal. But as far as person-to-person money transfers, I do not want to give Facebook a debit card, personally. Why not? Well, now, the one problem is if you manage a Facebook business page, and you actually pay to boost posts on Facebook, they kind of already have a card on file. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and that's not many of the Facebook users, but, uh, I mean, they do kind of have some people's already. But I, so, I, I would not use this. You know who's really going to love this? Scammers in Nigeria are the people who are going to love it. Don't limit it to just Nigeria. Come on. <laughs> Scammers everywhere. That's racist, There's a whole bro. world. <laughs> but what I want to ask you, so if, if you, how comfortable you feel if Facebook scans your messages and status updates for words like, oh, and pay, and then offers to help you pay or get paid. Yeah, not. I would not be comfortable. You're yeah. not excited yeah. about getting paid. 
Now, I do use the Messenger app. I'm not, I'm not one of the conspiracy theorists who thinks it's listening to all my conversations. Well, but, do, do we get a cut of their cut? <laughs> because in that case, it, I'm totally fine with that. You down? I'll, I'll be here uh, messaging pay all day. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, if you look at uh, a conversation in Facebook Messenger, like right now they have six stickers going across the bottom for emojis, camera, photos, smileys, microphone, and then a big thumbs up button. And the screenshots that they show, once they add the cash button, it's going to be seven icons across that thing of what you can do in Facebook Messenger. And it's, I don't know. It's their software has just become uh, so bloated and overdone. Like I noticed the other day, I was on there. I, I think I got to go to the settings or something. I was posting a photo on there, and I didn't realize it automatically applies their photo improvement thing to any photo that I put on there. It just mm. automatically just does it for me and changes all the colors on the photo and stuff. And it's like, why is it doing this? Why I, I didn't set this up? It's not supposed to be this uh, way. And you know what bugs when, me too? Whenever they update any of their apps now, they don't put any notes. And what they update. Yeah, we'll tell you within the app. We automatically update every two weeks. Oh, great. Thanks. Right. That's really yeah. helpful. And I don't know. I mean, I've never gone in the app to try and look to see where they tell you what was updated, but I mean, I've never I, seen I think it. The, uh, the assumption is when you launch the app, it's going to tell you, but it never does. No, it never does. I never is it no, I found paper? it. No, no. If you tap on more in the lower right corner of the Facebook oh, app, I'm great. There. and then you tap on update info, I have four unread updates. Well, fancy that. And first, it wants me to complete my profile. It wants me to tell them <laughs> no, but that's how I went to, to university before. Info. Yeah, the update info is, that, is not the... Uh, oh, is that... Oh, no, that's God, just for you to no. update your own info. That's oh, not... Yeah. Thanks a lot, Facebook. So where's the updates? Where's that's, their updates? I'm looking now. I don't... Bless. I thought I found it. But is this, you know, I mean, I guess getting everybody's credit card number or debit card number or whatever is really the holy grail here, right? I mean, Apple loves to boast how they've got nearly a billion credit card, active credit card numbers on file all the time. And they can use that to have, you know, seamless transition to introducing new products like Apple Pay and all that. So, I mean, isn't that the ultimate goal here? You want to get as many users as you can with active credit card numbers? I mean, this isn't the first time that, that they've tried something like this. The, the last time they tried to do it, I remember, was when they gave everyone a Facebook email address and their whole idea was that they would just just force that down everyone's throats, and we'd all use Facebook email, and then they could migrate just using Facebook all the time. Wasn't when there was game, like when everyone was playing games like Farmville on Facebook, couldn't you like actually buy stuff with real money? Yeah, and you like, could yeah. also gift people well, stuff. They had, but they, well, uh, and they had right, gift cards. But, you could go into a Target or a retail store and buy an actual plastic Facebook gift card. <laughs> wow. Did anyone ever try using their, um, you know, they used to, they, they just stopped it, but they used to have that digital gift thing where you could uh give yeah. someone a I never gave a dollar and give them a digital cupcake for their birthday or yeah no it's like a gift card or whatever yeah. or a cupcake I think it started yeah, out as like a dollar and like some something digital thing or you could like buy them a Starbucks like a five dollar Starbucks gift card or whatever they shut yeah. that down didn't they? yeah I think they just shut it down this month this month or last month I don't know I never tried uh, it I'm very upset well, I guess that's why they shut it down yeah. all of my digital cupcakes are gone I'm very upset <laughs> You know what I did? Um, actually, I will send you digital beer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if you go to the more tab and then you go to settings and then you go, I still haven't found where the app update info is, but I don't called, think it's in there. I don't see it, but uh, there's something called Facebook Wi-Fi. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but businesses can actually require you to authenticate with Facebook to get on their Wi-Fi network. So. Yeah, Yes. Yeah. Aren't they also doing the Facebook like for businesses so you can connect with other people too? I think that's in like a limited release right now. Yeah, there's like a Facebook for work thing, like a beta that you can try. Good luck with that. That's like <laughs> chat and Evernote. I just I think, don't want it. I think Facebook for well, work is just called Facebook right now, but that's just me. Well, at least they're that, that, uh, that's not trying to stay relevant, but I don't know. Yeah, but I don't – like I never – whenever there's a service or a website that allows you to like – sign up with your Facebook login. I never do that. Oh, yeah, let's no. That, let's not forget that Facebook was the company that thought that they didn't need to release an iPad app for, like, what, over a year at least? That's true. That they kept true. saying, oh, we don't need it. No, it's fine. People just go to the website. What are you doing? I and mean, I still geez. I still don't use their iPad app, really. Oh, really? I might sometimes, but I feel like, especially the Twitter iPad app, like, do you remember what Twitter first was when it came to the oh, iPad? God. It had, like, the three oh. three sliding panes. Yeah, uh, I actually like that. I thought it, it was, was more useful. On pain. I thought it was more useful than what's on there now. Ew. Well, the the best version of it was when they bought uh, Tweety. Well, an iPad. 
I'm talking about like I don't know, not I don't know about iPhone, but on iPad when it was the three pane view, you could like tap a link to start loading it in the third pane, yeah, and then like slide it over, over, keep scrolling your timeline, and then like pull it back out, and the page will be loaded. Like it was, I don't know. Eh. I thought I thought it was really forward thinking when it came out, as opposed to now. Like I, I don't use the Twitter app on there either. I use Tweetbot. But. I just use it for um, uh, tweet analytics. Mm, yeah, that's the one thing you can't get in third party apps. Yeah. Do you use Tweetbot on the phone though? Yeah, I use. Yeah. Well, I use Tweetbot everywhere since it syncs across. Um, yes, platforms. I do too. I do so. as well. Hopefully, they're they're supposedly updating Tweetbot for um, OS ten next. Yes, I'm looking. Yes, forward they to that. are. So anyway, Looks good. Looks so good. Face, Facebook Messenger, everybody go register your debit cards. Ah, wait, fun. not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, any other big news this week I saw? There was lots of stuff about the Apple TV and stuff like that. But like Apple Pay um, got a big boost. They added like 40 right? credit, credit unions and banks, mostly yeah. credit unions. It's interesting that the credit unions I are, use it all the time in New York. Every cab takes it. It's great. Uh, the Dwayne Reed down the street takes it. It's great. I go out of my way to go to Walgreens just to use it, honestly. If I was like, oh, I can awesome. get some Walgreens. I'll do no, that. They, they were saying, um, well, I just, uh, there was something yesterday. It was kind of a small study, um, sample size, but uh, 30% of like 1,200 people that use Apple Pay, or not 1,200 people use it, but of the people that use it, 30% are actually making decisions on where to shop, depending on whether that place has Apple yeah. Pay. Retailers yeah, are so. seeing a boost based on on having used Apple Pay. It's it's an increase in their sales because people explicitly want to go where that is. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, the early adopter effect. I believe it. I had never gone to Walgreens as much as I have the past six months. So, so what I've been doing is I've been going around to uh, small businesses, privately owned, you know, one one retail places, yeah. and looking and seeing who's got uh, NFC compliant or NFC turned on on their pin pads and actually helping them figure out how to do Apple Pay transactions. Yeah. That was one thing I mentioned it on a previous episode. I went to like a produce stand, like a mom and pop's nothing produce stand, and they got a new keypad thing, and it had the NFC symbol on it. And I was like, oh, can I do Apple Pay? And they were like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I said, yeah. just do like I'm doing a credit card transaction. And they I heard, um, press Well, the detail something. is they have to put the sale in on their side first, and then it will right. wake up the pin pad for your side to take the transaction. Right. Yeah. And that's been the in, biggest um, fault that I've seen happen so far. I heard that Apple Pay is, well, not is unofficially working in um, countries like Germany, and I think I, I think one of my friends in the UK said it's working in some places there. You have I to mean, set not, it up with a US credit card and like change your uh, yeah. your location settings on your phone, and then yeah, because it's yeah. all just standard stuff. Yeah. Right. So I mean, people are already using it or testing it out over there. You know, not testing it out, but you know, you just know using I mean. it. Yeah. So I mean, whenever they do officially launch it, uh, hopefully it'll gain a little more steam, so I can use it in places that are close to me. Because right now it's Apple Store and I think Walgreens. Yeah. But I live in Hawaii. You need, so. you need to go shopping using the Apple Store more. Home Depot. Home Depot has it. If you ever go there, using it in a cab is great. Every cab accepts it in New York City, and yeah. uh, it's super convenient. I love it. And today we reported at the uh, PGA, the Arnold Palmer tour. They're gonna, they're gonna have the ability to use Apple Pay for the concessions, and uh, merchandise. I th- yeah, I Mastercard's it, been really excited about this. I guess yeah. they've been pushing it real hard. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I find it interesting that a lot of uh, sports venues are kind of. Uh, taking a shine to Apple Pay. I mean, that's where you right. always read about it, like a, a new arena, like the Warriors arena. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, they have it in Orlando, too, the magic of it there. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, a lot of sports uh, places are, you know, kind of pushing that, which well, is it's, which is it's, um, logical since, you know, that there are so many massive people in such a it small space. It speeds up transaction time so much that's when true. you don't yeah. have to screw around with a wallet or change what about or swiping Google a wallet? card or signing. <laughs> uh, why do they not? Why don't they use Google Wallet? Add your debit card and transfer some money. So uh, Google Wallet has additional steps, right? You have to locate the app, open the app. You have to put in your four-digit PIN code to unlock the app. Then you can do this stuff. Seamless seamless you can certainly conduct a transaction at any place that will take an apple pay transaction right. so they're just but saying apple pay but google wallet would work there too absolutely yep. totally would yeah. work it's just it additional steps and it doesn't have the the brand cachet and awareness around app that apple pay does yeah 
Well, and you also don't have your credit cards directly tied into it, so you don't get all your points and all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, you you used mm, to before they screwed up Google Wallet. Right. right. I still don't get my points on a uh, what is it Visa business. Don't, it doesn't work, or you don't get the points. No, no, I, it it won't. They don't support it. I mean, yeah, I my, have, my Discover card doesn't support it yet either. Discover for yeah. some reason hasn't. It's so I weird. I don't know why some Kemp companies have embraced it and others haven't. Like Mastercard's been all over it. They're advertising. They're pushing Amex. it. Events. Amex is huge on it too. Yeah, yeah, and I then have, for some um, reason, Discover doesn't have it on there. And Discover's usually been pretty good. It's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's weird because I have um, two of the same. A card from a bank, so it's a Visa, both under the same program, but one's a business, one's a personal. Right. I can add the personal, but the business is not yet supported. So I, I don't know. There, there might be two departments within that bank. Well, yeah. I don't know. Well, it also depends on you know who's behind that card, because sometimes banks will say this card is actually issued by other issuing bank yeah. and mm. labeled as their own, and it's in the fine uh, print on the card, and so you have to see if that issuer is a part of the mm, program. That's true. No, and that's the why they're story. slowly adding all these credit unions and stuff too, just because that's the way that, that it works. Right. I will yeah. say I use a Wells Fargo as personal bank, and the ATMs. It's like Apple Pay on the huge on the first screen, like as soon as you walk up. So free huh. advertising. But you can't use Apple Pay with the ATM, right? No, 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 no. They just they're just telling you, hey, register your card so you can Apple Pay wherever. Oh, okay. That but, would be cool if you could if you could do Apple Pay uh, with an ATM. That would be pretty neat. I, I think that would be huge in Vegas. That's got to be coming <laughs> oh, for yeah. Vegas. Oh, I think. Did you hear about? Um, uh, I forget who was a uh, kind of jokingly saying that um, once Apple uh, Watch launches, that all the uh, the one arm bandits and all those you know uh, <laughs> machine machine games in Vegas are going to switch over from the. Uh, Casino cards to Apple Watch uh, app cards. There was actually an interesting uh, subtle switch uh, with the last week's Apple Watch event. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but last year when they announced the Apple Watch, uh, when they were talking about Apple Pay on it, you had to enter in a PIN number on the watch. They have since dropped that requirement, and you can do Apple Pay on your watch as long as it's connected to an iPhone without having to enter a PIN if you want to on your watch. So they've actually uh, taken down uh, barriers to entry on it to use your watch to pay. Right. Yeah. Q uh, kind of said something about that when he was not really demoing at at the uh, Warriors Arena, which is kind of weird that <laughs> he right. was talking about it. He had one on his wrist, but he used his iPhone six to pay. Yeah. But and I wonder like how that's going to work. Like if you have an older iPhone, right? So it works with the iPhone five, and so right. that's yeah. a really cool feature. If you still have an iPhone five and you want to get Apple Pay, but you don't want to buy a new iPhone, you can get an Apple Watch. But are you going to be able to do it without entering onto the watch? Because then you don't have a secure element in the iPhone to initiate the transaction and all that. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how all of that works once the watch actually works and what well, you can and can't do. Does Apple Pay work on the iPhone five five S in apps? Like so, I, uh, I, I pay not, through. So I use Lyft and Uber, and I pay with Apple Pay via the apps. Um, yeah, and the way that works six. is they're using Stripe as the processor on the back end of those apps, and Stripe uh, handles the Apple Pay transaction. But you're using what, what? What iPhone do you have? Uh, this is a six. Okay. Yeah, okay. Apple well. Pay in app also uses a secure enclave on the phone. And yeah. that's why you can get Apple Pay in-app on the new iPads, the iPad Air 2 and the iPad Mini 3, but you cannot get it on oh, the iPhone thing. 5S. Uh, uh, because yeah. even though there's no NFC in the iPad Air 2, it still has a special secure enclave to save the credit card information. Mm. So only the newest models can do in-app purchase Apple Pay. So, yeah, that's curious how that's going to work with the iPhone 5, 5S. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They might they might require um, the keep entry just to be secure or something like that. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those things that probably in testing they realized, you know, oh, this would be a lot easier if you could just pay for it without having to, you know, enter something on your watch. And odds, you know, it's probably not a big security concern if you get the watch and the phone within proximity to authorize right. a transaction. Probably secure, and for someone who's a little more security conscious, then you can turn it on and make sure that it requires the entry. Now you can um, the. Cards are stored on the watch, uh, physically on the watch secure element. Um, you know, maybe it's a thing where the camera app where you can on the watch see what the iPhone camera sees, that you can scan a card with your iPhone, but it's the watch that actually saves the data. It mu- that must be the way it works, yeah. It's just it's just a matter of authorizing the transaction I, at that point. 
Right. You don't add the card to passbook from the watch, though. You add that in passbook on the phone, and it brings it over. But we're talking yeah, about no, the, the, the iPhone element, 5 yeah. and the 5S. For the 5, yeah. 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 The 5 and the 5S don't have the secure element, so they can only yeah, so they could, the watch. They could, uh, you know, tether over to the, the watch's secure element. And, I, I think at some yeah. point the answer is, it's time to get a new phone, gentlemen. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're still selling the 5S, though, so they have to... They are. You know, and the five. Would you like? Would you like a uh, three hundred fifty dollar Apple Watch with your free iPhone today, sir? <laughs> That's true. You can, get, you can get an iPhone five C and still have Apple Pay if you get the watch. So yeah, there you exactly. Go. All right. Last thing I, would, I just wanted to mention real quick. I didn't have it in notes, but um, Launcher, the app, came back fully functional Launcher app on the iPhone, and Ooh. it has a today widget that you can program quick actions from launching an app to programming like take me home from apple maps and you can use that shortcut in the uh, today widgets and some even like text so-and-so call so-and-so facetime so-and-so email and you can do all those programmable actions and they're in the today widget and it's really sweet i uh, downloaded it and tried it today it's pretty cool mikey i heard you woo is that something that you do too no that wasn't me that was a victor uh, oh victor yeah uh, I, i'm yeah. just a fan of of apps that have suffered under the heel of the boot of the app review team being able to come back. The app Gestapo. <laughs> the app Gestapo. <laughs> which, I, which Google Play now has a uh, app Gestapo. Well, they're, they're more of a, <laughs> they're more of a app party pooper. Or, like, uh, <laughs> right, right. And I, I don't think they're as organized as the uh, Apple, as the Apple um, cadre. They're like cheap club bouncers or something. <laughs> Just weed out the ruffians. Yeah, but no, Launcher's a good, um, it was a good app. Did, I, did Victor, did you download it when it first came out? I did out not. Before? I missed out oh. when it first came out. I uh, downloaded it, um, but it wasn't as, it didn't seem as powerful, especially with the Today widgets. Yeah, well, it's interesting that, um, you know, when iPhone first came out, I was like, oh, look at all these uh, apps that are like right here at my fingertips. And now it's, I don't have time to unlock my phone and launch an app. <laughs> I need it from my uh, lock screen. What's yeah. what's next? See, I don't um, I don't put it. Well, clearly the watch is what's next. Well, uh, yeah, I don't Mind put reading. so I don't put so many app <laughs> shortcuts. But uh, you can do um, send an email to this person, and you can all pre-program the subject line and even pre-program the body of a message in case you send a similar email every t week to somebody. But um, you know, to be able to do that and auto-populate the subject, and you know, just have to type in the body. It's pretty pretty convenient. I would actually yeah, like to see uh, share sheet support, like uh, yes. a website or a uh, picture or something, and then have a customizable little share sheets option there that says text to so-and-so if you have a contact that you're frequently sending stuff to. And there are you, other things that have share sheets for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, do you have, um, do you, have you heard of Launch Center Pro? Yes. That was the other one I was thinking about. Yeah. It's, a little, um, it's a little more advanced. Uh, yeah. you got to navigate and know a little bit of um, – well, not know a little bit, but you have to just kind of – study up a little bit on um coding but right. uh that's a pretty powerful tool as well and drafts is another app that has mm, tons yeah. of integrations but it's it's pretty complicated now like i opened it and i was slightly overwhelmed and i haven't tried to figure well, it out so we're, we're sort of in this place where we're you know we're used to this being an accessible easy to understand easy to divine the meanings of of device but we're at the, also at this juncture where people are beginning to try and do more like make it their only computer and with that comes right. this complexity. And there's a yeah, and there was that other app too, the um, workflow, I yep. believe. Yeah, I have that one. Yeah, workflow, Pythonista, have, have drafts. You, yeah. Neil, have you been able to use workflow for tasks successfully? This uh, Victor has actually uh, made for me a Pythonista script uh, that allows me to quickly take screenshots from iOS apps and combine them for stories. Um, which looks pretty good and is a huge time saver because I used to have to transfer them over and then open up Photoshop and then resize and jump through all these hoops that were just wasting my time. Mm. So, you know, it's interesting when you play around with these things now. You know, I was just doing a Photoshop uh, on my phone the other day, uh, Photoshop lowercase uh, p, yeah. um, of a friend of mine and uh, just kind of messing around with the photo and it kind of dawned on me. It's like, 
this is something that used to take me a long time, and now I can do it in like two minutes on my phone. So uh, for all these uh, naysayers who say you know, that phones and iPads and stuff make it harder to do things, there are certain things that it's very easy to do now just with these tools and these apps. Uh, if you get the right tools, you can do some pretty powerful, uh, crazy stuff in a, a pinch on the go. Yeah, yeah th- those people are all old. <laughs> I will. I, I downloaded a Pixelmator on my iPad Air two the other day, and that's a very oh, yeah. powerful application. Pixelmator is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was I was surprised. I hadn't I hadn't taken a look at it recently, and they recently updated it uh, a week or two ago. It's it's pretty powerful. Didn't they yeah. just uh, launch? They had an update a, today. One point one for OS X. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They updated that too. It's a great. I mean, or for iPad. I mean, sorry. Right for iPad. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you're if you've if you only need Photoshop for like light work, you might as well. I mean, take a hard look at Pixelmator because that's what I use. I've been using yeah. Pixelmator since they launched it in two thousand seven, I think. Now, is that have any of you compared that to Acorn? Acorn, no. well, Acorn is different. Acorn is a vector app, and mm. Acorn has always been about doing vectors. It's been more like an Illustrator, if you want to think of it like that. Pixelmator began life as a raster app, like Photoshop, and added vector artwork along the way. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of helpful to think about these two things as as separate directions converging on the idea of how to solve this problem. Gotcha. Well, it's gotten uh, Adobe to lit a fire under their, you know. Yeah, well, someone should have. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad though because they're splitting everything into separate apps. So, oh god, yeah. such a nightmare. Pay, pay for your Creative Cloud subscribe. I mean, no, I, I, have, I have a Creative Cloud subscription, but it is kind of a pain in the neck to like, oh, what do I have to download this app on this computer and I mean, you have access to them all, so it's easy to just download it on a new machine, but it's also, they're not quick downloads, they're not quick installs, so it's kind of annoying to manage it across multiple machines. And you're placing faith in their licensing regime to not screw up. <laughs> I, have, I have had Creative Cloud, like, mysteriously sign out sometimes and won't accept my login for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, it did have that huge outage for, like, a day. Mm-hmm. That right. was uh, devastating for publishers and whatever. Right. It's the uh, problem of relying on an online service that's perpetually pinging a, a server somewhere. Yeah. It's the problem of Adobe. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, I, I still think it's funny that when I see Kevin Lynch on stage doing Apple demos, it's... Oh, geez. Mm. Yeah, Apple fanboys can't let that go. <laughs> it's just it's interesting. I mean, he does okay. He does fine. But He, he seemed fine. He seemed all right. Yeah, just yeah. The first, the first dark, time... Dark pass. Sorry about Flash, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the um, during the September event when they first announced Apple Watch and he was out there, he looked, uh, I think, markedly more nervous then than he did this this past. Well, time. you know, he was fine. He just was a little hunched over from carrying that giant albatross around his neck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Hey, he was uh, he was afraid of the uh, rotten tomatoes that were going to come flying at his face. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen though. I remember when the Nexus One came out. Uh, Google released it, and they did this big video. They went to Adobe, and Adobe showed off Flash on the Google Nexus One, and showed off how amazing it was, saying it was, you know, because Apple again was still blocking it. And um, yeah, we all know how that ended. So well, and all amazing. the all the quote unquote objective reviews of the iPad when it first came out, like it, the knocks against it were that it didn't do Flash. Right. Well, you're not seeing that now about any of the Android tablets that are out there. And no reviews going, but it doesn't do Flash. Right. I actually disabled Flash on all my browsers the other day on my computer. It was wonderful. Welcome to the real world. Well, because Flash kept asking me to update like once a week. And I was like, I'm tired of this. It's a nightmare, yeah. Well, that's why you use Chrome so that Chrome runs it internally and you don't get asked. Yeah, if Chrome wasn't such a resource hog. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Peace. Well, I don't know. I, I uh, prefer Chrome. On, uh, so, yeah. But then again, I have a, a pretty powerful computer, so I don't really. You've got a Mac Pro. Yeah, no, uh, that would be a little overkill for my uh, text <laughs> editing. For your writing. Do you use Chrome on um, on iOS? No, no, um, no, only if I'm planning on switching over to like carrying syncing over the web pages to um, my uh, main computer. If not, I just use Safari. I don't, I mean, it's basically it's uh, it's you don't use it's capped for that? by um, no. Mm. Well, because I don't use Safari on my on my um, Mac, so. But I mean, Chrome is limited by it's basically as fast as Safari, and it, and it well, can it only is. be as fast because <laughs> it is. Of, um, yeah, <laughs> I just don't the like the interface. The Chrome iOS app, I don't know. I'm not crazy about it. Yeah, it's pretty meh. Okay, what what do you not like about it, Stephen? Oh, 
so much, so much. I just I, I, don't, is, I don't use it very much. I do like, I mean, for work stuff, I, I have several Google accounts that I'll use for work, whether it's Gmail or Google Apps or something. And I do like how Chrome will let me have like five different Gmail logins and I can just open up a Chrome browser and say, go to this profile. And then all my, you know, Vimeo passwords and all my account passwords for that particular business profile is saved and will autofill, you know, conveniently. So, so that's nice. You mean like iCloud Keychain? Yeah. Yeah, I call Keychain yeah. does okay with that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, Google's is uh, a little better though. Yeah, they're uh, cloud if you, handling. If you're happy storing your passwords within Google, well, I mean, that's what one password's for. I'm so turning into the real pessimist today, aren't I? Yeah, just naysaying, naysaying. Awesome, resident curmudgeon. Yes, <laughs> I like that. All right, well, we have gone on long enough. We did so many shoutouts today. We'll see if uh, any of them, like Pixelmate or something, you should throw us a bone. Uh, yeah, okay. So, Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at MikeyCampbell81. On Twitter. On the right. Twits. Yep. And uh, Neil, how about you? I am at this is Neil on Twitter. And uh, Victor, how about you? I am at VMarks. Great. And I'm at Stephen Robles. Thank you all for joining us again this week. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store with five stars. If you want to give us any less, uh, just send us an email. That's fine. And uh, don't forget to follow Apple Insider on Twitter at Apple Insider. And, of course, go to the website and show notes to read all the wonderful things there. Thanks for joining us again. We'll see you next week.